Failure is inevitable. It's something every athlete faces. It happens so much that I'm tired of talking about it. We get it. Failure happens, learn, and move on. But sometimes it's not that simple. That's where the interest lies for me. What happens after failure? Or what happens at the millisecond failure occurs? Do I understand it? Do I correct it? Can I move forward? Do I dwell? This is something I continue to wrestle with still five years after my professional career ended. My name is Jeremy Wolf, co-founder of Mind Ready, and welcome to The Lab, our podcast exploring the mental side of athletics. In the realm of sports, where the pursuit of excellence and the relentless quest for victory reign supreme, athletes must learn to conquer these emotions to find peace in competition. The mind can be a great ally or a formidable foe, capable of propelling an athlete to greatness or dragging them into the depths of defeat. The key lies in harnessing the power of our emotions through positive self-talk to understand who we are in the process. Positive self-talk, a concept deeply rooted in sports psychology, is the art of consciously shaping one's thoughts and internal dialogue to foster a mindset of self-belief, resilience, and determination. It is the antidote to self-doubt and negativity. To understand the power of positive self-talk, we must first recognize the insidious nature of negative self-talk. Doubt, fear, and self-criticism can cripple even the most talented athletes, undermining their confidence and sapping their energy. Negative self-talk creates a self-fulfilling prophecy as athletes internalize their doubts and begin to perform by those doubts. It becomes a vicious cycle that perpetuates mediocrity and hinders growth. Positive self-talk, on the other hand, flips the script. It is the voice of encouragement, the catalyst that propels athletes beyond their self-imposed limitations. By replacing negative thoughts with positive affirmations, athletes can rewire their minds, cultivate self-belief, and unlock their full potential. Consider the example of Serena Williams, who, in my opinion, is the single most dominant athlete in the history of sports. Throughout her career, Serena has been vocal about her use of positive self-talk techniques. In moments of adversity, she channels her inner champion by repeating empowering phrases such as, I am strong, I am powerful, and I am capable. This internal dialogue serves as a rallying cry, energizing her spirit and allowing her to overcome seemingly insurmountable obstacles. By personalizing their self-talk, athletes can create a powerful tool that aligns with their mind, body, and spirit towards a singular purpose. Positive self-talk not only influences an athlete's mindset, but also impacts their physiological response as well. Studies have shown that when athletes engage in positive self-talk, their bodies exhibit increased levels of confidence and reduced levels of stress. The mind-body connection is a powerful force, and positive self-talk taps into this synergy, allowing athletes to perform at their peak. Positive self-talk requires discipline, practice, and consistency. Athletes must incorporate it into their daily routine, both on and off the field. It is in these moments of solitude and reflection that self-talk becomes particularly potent. Visualization exercises combined with positive affirmations can transport athletes to a mental space where success feels like an imminent reality. While positive self-talk is primarily an individual practice, its impact extends beyond the self. In team sports, athletes who engage in positive self-talk can spread confidence, resilience, and optimism to their teammates. Their energy is contagious. Lifting in collective spirit and fostering a winning culture, positive self-talk thus becomes a shared language, binding athletes together in their collective pursuit. The power of self-talk cannot be underestimated in the realm of sports. It is a transformative tool that empowers athletes to overcome self-doubt, embrace their true potential, and achieve greatness. When we think of athletes, we envision individuals who are physically strong, agile, and resilient. 
their bodies become symbols of power and grace, capturing our awe and admiration. However, beneath the hardened exteriors lie minds that face unique challenges and pressures. Athletes are not immune to the struggles of mental health, and the repercussions can be profound. Anxiety, depression, and stress are just a few of the mental health issues that athletes may grapple with. The relentless pursuit of perfection, the weight of expectations, and the fear of failure can take a toll on their mental well-being. Yet despite the prevalence of these challenges, there remains a stigma around mental health in the world of sports. Just as physical injuries can require treatment and care, mental health concerns demand equal attention. Athletes must recognize that seeking help is not a sign of weakness, but rather an act of strength. By addressing their mental health needs, athletes can unlock their true potential, enhance their performance, and establish a foundation for long-term success. One of the essential pillars of mental well-being for athletes is self-care. Engaging in activities that promote relaxation, self-reflection, and rejuvenation is crucial for maintaining a healthy mind. Whether it's meditation, journaling, or spending quality time with loved ones, athletes must carve out moments to recharge and replenish their mental reserves. In recent years, professional sport organizations have begun to acknowledge the importance of mental health support systems. Sports psychologists, counselors, and mental health professionals are becoming integral members of coaching staffs and support teams. By providing athletes with access to these resources, organizations are not only prioritizing their mental well-being, but also nurturing a culture that encourages open dialogue and destigmatizes mental health challenges. Another crucial aspect of mental well-being for athletes is creating a sense of balance in their lives. The demands of training, competitions, media obligations can be overwhelming. Athletes must strive for harmonious integration of their athletic pursuits with other aspects of their lives. Maintaining relationships, pursuing hobbies, and taking time for personal interests can foster a holistic sense of well-being that goes beyond the scoreboard. Moreover, athletes should be mindful of the narrative they cultivate around their identity and self-worth. Performance in sports should not be the sole determinant of an athlete's value as a person. Cultivating a strong sense of self outside of their athletic achievements can provide athletes with a sturdy foundation for their mental health. Embracing vulnerabilities, nurturing their passions, and fostering healthy self-esteem are vital components of this process. To truly revolutionize mental health in sports, we must also address the systematic factors that contribute to the pressures athletes face. The hyper-competitive nature of professional and youth sports, intense media scrutiny, and the commodification of athletes as mere entertainers all contribute to an environment that can be detrimental to their mental well-being. By reimagining the culture of sports and fostering an atmosphere of support, understanding, and empathy, we can create a space where athletes feel safe to prioritize their mental health. As members of this community, our role extends beyond mere observation. We have the power to create a supportive and nurturing environment that promotes mental well-being in athletics. Here are a few strategies that we've put together to help support the leaders of young athletes. Encourage open dialogue. Create a safe space for your child or your athlete to express their feelings or concerns. Encourage them to communicate with coaches, teammates, and other trusted adults who can provide guidance and support. Emphasize holistic development. While athletic achievements are important, remind your athlete that their worth extends beyond their performance on the field. Encourage them to explore other interests, cultivate friendships outside of sports, and prioritize their academic growth. Promote self-care. Teach your child or your athlete the importance of self-care and stress management. Encourage healthy habits such as proper nutrition, sufficient sleep, and engaging activities that promote relaxation and rejuvenation. Set realistic expectations. 
Help your athletes set realistic goals that align with their abilities and interests. Foster a growth mindset, emphasizing the importance of effort, learning, and personal growth rather than solely focusing on outcomes. We play a vital role in nurturing our young athletes' mental well-being. By equipping ourselves with knowledge, fostering open communication, and providing a supportive environment, we can empower our children to thrive both athletically and mentally. At this point in the lab, I normally introduce our guest, but today's episode is a little different. Led by Australian volleyball, Olympian, and mind-ready coach Sarah Stratton, MindReady hosted a webinar in partnership with the Houston Dynamo, and we were fortunate enough to be able to speak with their captain, Eric Zvyatchenko, about his experience with self-talk and mental health and athletics. Please enjoy this amazing conversation between Olympian Sarah Stratton and Houston Dynamo FC captain Eric Zvyatchenko. Back in the lavish. So this was at the Olympics in Sydney, and I was standing in the tunnel waiting to go in. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what is this? I have never actually been here before. This feels really big. This feels like, I don't know, can I meet the moment? Am I going to be able to perform at this biggest tournament I've ever had in my life? And I feel like that's one of the things that, you know, we often feel as athletes. So does anyone here feel like there are moments in their in their um, playing days that they ever feel like, you know, can I meet the moment? Can I like, can I perform at the level that I have shown in practice and done in, you know, at other times at these biggest, biggest moments. And so remembering that, I mean, just thinking like what I'm hoping today is to be able to help you with some strategies that are going to help you actually get to the point where you can perform in big moments, perform to those basically close as you can to those, um, you know, the way you do in practice, the way you know you can do it, the way you've always done it. Oh, there we go. There's my solution. Okay, so when we are in these moments, we know that we can perform. We know that we've, we have the skills. We know that we are fit and we're healthy. But the only we don't know is can we bring ourselves up to that level because of our mental performance. And really doing this mental stuff, doing this mental training, it actually helps us to, uh, to push further than we've ever been able to push before when we talk to ourselves and we can just get ourselves to go harder. And remember too, like this is a practice. Like this is not, okay, let me tell you about, for example, today, like let me tell you about self-talk and all of a sudden you're going to be able to do it. It's like if I came in and said, okay, here's how you lift the weight and you go, oh, now I'm strong. It doesn't work like that. This is actually a practice. So it helps us push further than we've been able to push before. It helps boost our confidence. Like the things that we do around all of our mental skills help boost our confidence so that we can actually go in there feeling great about our performance and how we're gonna how we're gonna um, show it up, show up on the field. And it's also about increasing our awareness. So knowing that we're able to like recognize how we're doing, knowing what the moment needs, what type of you know, what type of talk we need to do for ourselves, what type of inner dialogue, as Eric calls it, 
and then um and then knowing that we can be aware of what has happened so that we can reflect on and actually learn from those situations. Yes. So the mental training is, it's not just awareness and it's not just having a good mindset, having a growth mindset, but it's also about these mental skills like imagery and visualization. It's about goal setting. It's about resilience and focus. But what we're going to talk about today is self-talk. So that inner dialogue. I'm going to just back it up just a second. So today, what we're going to get to is we're going to learn three different ways that we can use self-talk for improving our performance. And then we're going to help you understand confidence and how you can increase your confidence. And then we're also going to create a personal self-talk in a dialogue toolkit. So things that you can do. So you'll come up with some phrases that you can use for all the various situations. So you'll be able to actually perform better. And today is actually going to be interactive. So I'm going to be asking you to put messages in the chat. Um, I'm going to ask you to think. It's, the idea is that it's not just me lecturing you. We're also going to have um, we're also going to talk to Eric and get his input on a lot of these things. And we're going to have some time for Q&A at the end. So my first question for you is, how focused do you plan to be for this session? And so think about that. I'm not going to ask you that you don't have to put in the chat and there's no judgment. Like you might have a lot going on. You might be like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm doing the dishes and I've got this on in the background, but I really want to just like let it wash over me. And that's fine. You might be like, oh, I'm just want to be 100% focused because this is the most important thing to me. This is really going to help my game. And so with that being said, I want you to think about one thing you can do right now to change your environment so that you can actually get to that level of focus. So it might mean turning off your phone. It might mean closing the door. It might mean getting a pen and paper. It just might mean you changing your mindset. So you're like, okay, how can I be in this moment right now? So let's talk about, you know, we're talking about what we're going to say to ourselves from the inside. We, we also have to think about talk from the outside because it's all these things that we hear, it's not just from our own inner dialogue. So when we have professional sports teams, you know that there's a much higher rate of victory when, when teams play at home versus when they're away. Uh, any ideas why? Uh, I'm going to kind of give it away. <laughs> I kind of gave it away. So it's the fans, right? Because the fans actually can make a difference what they're saying to you and what, you know, what they're saying to you as your home team, how they support you, or what they're saying to you if they're heckling you. So now I'm going to ask you a question for yourselves. And this is something I want you to put responses in the chat. The first question is. What do home fans say to their team to get them to play better? And so let's put that in the chat. Fight for it. Let's go, yeah. What else we got? Anyone else have responses? Um, You've been a fan. What have you said? What have you said to people? What have you said to your team? 
pass the ball to him like yeah like let's tell him what to do you got this good try you've got it great okay these are awesome right these are the things that we say to people remind them how good they are awesome so these are the things that we say to people to try to get them to play better right so now let's think about what happens when we're trying to get someone to play worse okay what do home fans say to the visiting team when we're trying to get them to play worse, what kinds of things do you hear or do, would you say? I don't know what kind of fans you are, if you're like the hooligans or if you uh, like sit there and like do the golf club, but what kinds of things would you say to try and get your opposing team to, your visiting team to lose? You stink. Oh. <laughs> Yes, I think I read your mind, Natalie. You're no good. You suck. Come on. Oh my gosh, you're terrible, right? So these are the things that we say when we're trying to get someone to play worse. Right? Boo. And then we've got PG versions. On the high school level, we are discouraged from negative comments. Absolutely. I'm sort of I'm giving the example from pros because I think we do a lot more. Oh, you can't do that. Yes, absolutely. So this is true. We are discouraged from doing it. And yet we still like, particularly in the pros, we will say these things because we try to get our team to win. We try to get the opponents to play worse. So here is a reality check for you. Thinking of those types of things, the heckling and the supporting. Do you heckle more or do you support more? What are you have you ever used any of those phrases on yourself? Have you ever made a mistake and gone, you suck? What is wrong with you? Have you ever done that? And just it's something to think about, just to remember that we don't necessarily recognize it in ourselves, like we'll do it on the outside. But here we are, we're actually giving a helping hand to the opponent when we're saying these negative things to ourselves, when we're saying, you suck, you're terrible, what's wrong with you? All of those things, we end up actually helping our opponents. So the thing that I wanted to recognize though with this is that we really need to be aware. And so what I would actually like you to do next is, I want you to, I'm going to actually have you do a little exercise because I want you to feel it because sometimes we may not be aware of the things that we're saying, but we sure are aware of how they feel in our body. I had actually had an experience with a client last night and she was like, oh, I just feel like ugly feeling. I don't know what I'm saying to myself, but I feel ugh. So it's like something that we start to recognize. So what I'd like you to do is close your eyes if you like, you don't have to. And I want you to notice what's going on in your body. Like notice like how fast your heart is racing or if it's just chill. Notice like how you feel in your guts. Is there any tension anywhere? And then I want to, inside your head, just say all those, and this is, it's going to be short, I promise. Just say some of those things that we talked about for the, um, for the negative, for when we're booing, when we're heckling. Okay, so I want you inside your head, 
just say like, oh, you suck, you're terrible. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? Just those types of things. Okay, just say that for a couple of minutes and really notice like how your body feels. All right, now shake it out. <laughs> then let's do the same thing, but this time like go back to that calm place. And then say those things that we talked about for the supporters, like, let's go, yeah, you can do this, let's go, let's get it on, right? let's go. And just really notice how that feels in your body. All right, now you can put in the chat or you can, if you want, you can unmute, but like, let me know how you, if you noticed any difference between those feelings or what you noticed. The light when I'm kind. Oh, you have an inner smile, hearing positive things. That's lovely. Oh, I literally sunk in my seat during the heckling. That's so interesting. Positive talk sort of gave me a little rush after the negative thoughts. And that, Mario, is why I did that second, <laughs> because I didn't want you to have to actually sit with the <laughs> sit with the negative thoughts too much because I, you know, I'm not wanting you to do do that, but I am also wanting you to be aware of that. And one of the things too, and this is something, yeah, this is something um, maybe Eric, you can speak to, um, because I have noticed that the negative talk, negative thoughts do come in no matter like how much I try, but it's just one of these things that if we can't, if we're not aware of them, we can't change them. Eric, do you have anything you want to add to that? um yeah i agree um negative thoughts is it's just a natural way of of us being human beings in that sense that we will always be a little bit doubtful about what we do even though that you also said sarah that you've been doing your profession for so many years and even though that you're standing on the verge of of an amazing moment you still have that slightest sense of uh insecurity which I uh, have over years of God, of course, taught myself to uh, learn a bit about a positive thing that it actually makes you even more alert, that it makes you care about what you're doing in some way. So nervousness, you can, you can either think as a negative thing or a positive thing. And I believe, for instance, from my own example from yesterday, when I had my debut, I've played over 400 games in my career. Um, and it shouldn't be a, a problem going out in another arena playing 45 minutes in front of only 500 people. But I was nervous, uh, really nervous. Uh, but I said to myself, okay, if you were nervous and it didn't mean anything to you, maybe you should have stopped playing football then. So that was my kind of response to it, but also because I've been doing this for a while. But I think sometimes when you are in a situation where you start having the negative thoughts, see if you can reverse them and say, it's because I really want to improve. I really want to get better in some way. That's why I'm telling myself to 
that I'm not good enough in some way, but it's because you actually want to be better, you want to improve, and then you need to sit down and, and maybe list some of the things that, what's realistic? What is realistic to get a little bit better at, at, at this certain amount of time? Um, I hope it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. And I do think that we, um, we get kind of, we can get stuck in it. You know, we can get stuck thinking that, oh, I should never be nervous. And I, that's actually, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about this idea of getting your butterflies to fly in formation, you know, and recognizing mm -hmm. that, that anxiety and courage actually kind of feel similar. And so sometimes it's about telling ourselves, oh, that the butterflies I feel or the, um, my heart beating fast, that's actually my body getting ready. My, God, my body getting ready to perform because I'm excited about this and it's something that I really want to do. And that's really helpful. Okay. All right. Oh, getting butterflies to fly information. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's not mine. I'm not going to take credit for it. I have no idea whose it is, but I will um, look that up. Okay, so what we want to do now is talk about how this self-talk or this inner dialogue can actually work for us instead of against us. There we go. And we have these three different ways that our self-talk can help us. One is through helping build our confidence so that we feel like we're capable, we're able to do things. It's for helping us focus on the task at hand, on what's really important for us to be worth focusing on. And it's about helping us manage our energy. So whether we need to bring it up, we need to bring it down, that's what it's helpful for. So let's start with confidence. So what actually gives you confidence? Yeah. What helps you feel confident? I'd love to hear from maybe some of the kids or any of, the, any of our other participants. What helps you feel confident? You can all unmute if you would like to say something. Practice, competence, yeah, being in there and feeling like we've actually put in the work, put in the hard work. Being calm and ready. So feeling like you're sort of in control of your emotions, right, Meredith? I imagine that's what you're talking about. It's just knowing that I have the ability to bring myself to the right level. Anyone else have anything to contribute? You succeed in something you're trying on makes you feel more confident next time. Yeah, so when you play well, I always have this conversation, I ask people, do you feel confident because you're playing well or do you play well because you feel confident? So that's something to ponder. Yeah, and Matthew says a good play helps you feel confident, absolutely. Practice, moral support, team approval. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, this idea of like, if someone else approves of me, then I actually feel confident because someone believes in me. So the idea here is we're sort of taking that external approval and the external belief and bringing it inside so that we can bring it for ourselves. And this idea of which comes first, to me, it's we feel confident because we know that we play well because we feel confident. And it's 100% on what we say to ourselves. That's how we know that we're capable, how we believe that we're capable. And that's what confidence is. A confidence is basically us believing that we're able to meet the moment, that we're able to 
that we're capable of performing and that's what confidence is and so it increases sarah sarah eric here i just have a note to that if that's possible to note sure i think sometimes also what you say about that when you tell yourself something what i learned when i trained with my mental coach for many years was that i went onto the pitch and i taught myself to say this to myself so many times that it's not a question if you're going to play a good game it's it's a question of how good the game will be yes. so in that sense you turn the the self-belief inside of yourself to actually knowing that it's not a question if it's a bad or a good game it's going to be good but the question is how good it will be because you suddenly raise your own bottom level of your performances that okay. when you go out there you know that I'll give my 100% and that is so important in some way to know that I gave everything I can and that's more than enough because then you can see further on what the outcome will be but giving the 100% is such a good thing that you you actually made an effort and making an effort is is something you should be confident in because that makes you proud that I actually did what I had in me and and nothing more can be uh, put upon you sometimes Absolutely. And that, I mean, I think that's great, Eric, like this, knowing that this is something that you've done so many times. So one, you've practiced the, these mental skills, like you've talked to yourself in such a way that you really believe it and you've experienced it. And you, you feel confident in, I've, I've done this so many times before, like I have worked hard, I have put myself on the line, I have gone 100%. This is the type of player I am. And you pride yourself in that. Right? And you know that I can do that. This is not like, doesn't matter what's going on around me. One thing that I 100% have control of is the fact that I can put it all out there. And I love yeah. that. Okay. So knowing we've prepared helps us to feel confident, right? Because it knows that we've put the skills in, like we've put the skills training in, we maybe have a good game plan. Then also our body feeling good. So we, you know, did we sleep well? Did we fuel our body? Like, what have we done to make sure we're prepared? Like maybe we did our you know, our strength training, our agility training, all of those things. So we feel like we're ready, like our body's ready. We also reflect on our past successes because if we've done it before, we're like, I've done it before, I can do it again. And it's not just what have I done before, like this specific thing. Sometimes it's even when have I been uncomfortable, put myself out of my comfort zone and still managed to meet the moment, right? Stepped up, even though I felt anxious. I actually encourage my clients to practice just putting themselves out of their comfort zone. You know, put their hand up and like say something in class. You go talk to a stranger, do all these things. So you get, you're, just because you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But remembering that like, this is part of our success. These are transferable skills that we have of like, oh yeah, I can, I can deal with discomfort. I can handle the, the anxiety or the feelings that come around with that. And then the final one is this idea of our self-talk of like being believable and supportive. So it really has to be credible. We have to 100% believe it and we have to have evidence to back it up. So it's not like we're saying, I'm the best player in the world because that's not true. And no matter how many times, maybe true, but no matter how many times you say it, if you don't believe it, like your body knows. Like, you know, everyone knows, like it's, you have to say things that you 100% believe. 
And so this is this idea of the credible self-talk, right? So it's reminding yourself of your capabilities. It has to be 100% true. And in using these transferable qualities, so like I hustle, this is what I do. I think of myself as a hustler. Like I'm persistent, I don't give up. I'm a team player or I'm a, like, I'm a caring teammate. I'm resilient, like thinking of all those types of skills. And it's like, we can, or I have good vision. I really pay attention to what's going on on the, on the field. And so if we can think of ourselves in those ways and look at the previous successes in each of those qualities, this is, this is what helps us have evidence to back it up so that we actually believe it and it reminds ourselves, hey, I'm capable, I can do this. You know, no matter what happens, I can hustle. No matter what happens, I can be persistent. No matter what happens, I'm a team player. You know, all of those things. So it's remembering that 100% what we say to ourselves but it absolutely has to be true. And then, so Eric, I was just thinking for you, and I'm gonna actually stop sharing the screen so that people can make you a little bit bigger. Um, so tell me, what do you say to yourself to help give you confidence? Um, it's, it's, it's of course always a difficult question because it re reminds me of going back to when I was 18 years old, I'm 31 now, but I've begun my kind of experience with mental uh, awareness and mental training as as i call it um when i was 18 years old and the story behind it was that um i had played a couple of games when i was 17 and 18 broke a little bit into the first team and then suddenly i get this um acl injury which is one of the most crucial injuries you can get in football um and i was out for uh, for up to nine months i think and and i was out for the game and Everyone who had seen me before in some way knew that I was good, but I was away from football for a long time. And I came back in the team and I wanted to, I wanted to play, but things weren't really happening for me. I, I wanted to do the things in, in my head, but my legs weren't working as I wanted them to. Everything was slow and I was, I was frustrated. So I remember lying on this massage table and my masseurs said to me, I think maybe you would it would work if you talk to someone about what you're telling me because that's always a safe space in football when we get massage we talk about things and I mentioned that I'm struggling a little bit and then I was put up with with my mental coach and I just remember that we started analyzing that kind of uh, the bad version of of Eric and the good version of Eric and I remember this clearly on a whiteboard where we put the good version of Eric, I couldn't almost put four words in. And then I put on the bad version of myself and it just came floating to me, like all the things that I didn't like about myself, that I didn't do this enough and I should do this more. And so, and then we talked about what kind of version are you mostly in during 24 hours? What do you think? And I said, I would, I would guess that I, I'm happy. And then he said to me, but how come you only put four words in that positive, Eric, and you have 30 words over at the negative, Eric? And it just kind of wake up my interest in, okay, how can I change that kind of self-belief in, in, in the positive thinking um, way of, of always going to approaching the things in a positive way? And I needed control of things. So I began putting in some formulas, what, what I knew that I would always be able to do 
So I knew, I knew that I was able to go to the gym before training. I knew that I was able to eat a little, little bit better than all the others. I knew that I could go to sleep at, at the right time. So suddenly I became in control of what things I needed some way to get my self-confidence boosted because everything was happening around me and, and I didn't really know what to take in a control. So I put down a list of things that I knew I was capable of doing no matter what. So for instance, going on a, on a game day, you wouldn't be able to control the referee. He's out of your control sphere in some way, but going on the, on the, on the pitch, knowing that I need to talk to my teammate, tell him to go left or right, or encourage him when he does a good a pass. That's something that I can control. So suddenly I became to build this formula that I knew that when I was going in the field, if I do these five or six things, I'm communicative, I'm proactive, I'm thinking forward, I am positive to my teammates, they can see that I'm happy for them. Then suddenly I became to go above that negative Eric and suddenly I could feel that okay I'm actually positive to the other boys they're meeting the positive Eric oh suddenly I'm feeling much better about myself and at one point you had actually created that fundament because when you build a house you never build the roof first you need to build the the, the core first and that's what you need to think about yourself as well that building a house is taking time and all the things you also mentioned all also for the parents and for the for the young folks and also them that's a bit older it takes time so as i said i was 18 years old and i'm 31 now and i'm still questioning myself which is a natural thing of every human being to be able to doubt yourself but then you go back to the basic back to basic back to basic and then you start again because that is life. Life is tough. Life is hard. You'll be hit by multiple things that you co cannot control. Steve, you can then go back to where you are in your control area and then work your way out of it again. Um, so it's a bit long answer to, to, uh, to the question, but I think it's just over, over the time that I've been in football, that is a place of uh, hard elbows, not much space to be uh, vulnerable. I've always been on the counter to that. I want to be open. I want to be vulnerable. I want to let the other boys know that when you are with me, you can tell me your opinion. You can say to me in the morning, listen, I feel so bad. Uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. I would rather have them tell me that as a captain that, or as a leader, instead of them saying nothing, because I want a space in football where we can be open to each other. It doesn't need to be a macho world because you will never be the best football player if you don't work with your mental strength. For me, 80% is mental, 20% is football stuff because everyone can work on their passes. But if you don't work your uh, passes and then work upon that thing, as I told you before, that the self-belief about knowing that it's not a question about a bad or good game. It's a question, how good will it be? Then the passing comes a little bit the same as everyone. So I think it's, it's a good way to start by accepting that it's going to be tough and it's going to take time to learn about yourself. But if you're honest to yourself and you open yourself up to 
to new things that you actually want to be enlightened in some way and and you put your guards down and you actually accept that others might help you um i've i've seen uh, my mom actually gave she's gave me a lot of books throughout the years i'm not the, the biggest reader though but she gave me this book by charlie mackesay which is called the boy the mole uh, the fox and the horse and i watched i watched the movie the other day and i have never like cried in movies ever i don't know if it's because i'm a father of two now and all these things but literally for 34 oh, minutes i was like having tears in my eyes and having tears in my rem- eyes and i just rem- i just remember that um this situation where they sit on the branch and the the mole asks the boy what do you want to be when you grow up when you get old or when you get being an adult he he answered i'll be kind and that's where my tears just start falling because that's was my life when i was young i just wanted to be kind to people and if you're kind to people things will come to you as well if you are positive and you have good energies you can still be a success in some way instead of being always after people instead of actually opening your arms and welcoming people in in a sense of being a team because football is 11 individuals running around a pitch that needs to be succeeding as a collective because everyone has their own little company within this collective company but before you understand that if i don't help my teammate be the best version of himself then i won't be the best versions of myself so that's just acknowledging the fact that football is a team sport so if you want to help and be the best you need to take responsibility for the others as well first and foremost yourself and when you have built that small fundament of good things you know then it's about those rings in the water that will will spread and then suddenly you see actually a successful team winning trophies being together being happy and all these things you said a lot of really great um key points there actually eric that was lovely but i think the couple of things i want to draw on is this idea of the transferable qualities that we talked about and you talked about things that are within your control so things about i want to be kind like thinking about what my values are i want to support my teammates i want to go out there and like look for look for the good and then that's and i imagine too like when you have an injury that it feels like things are out of your control and then you were able to then focus on the things that were in your control. Like you can't, like you said, you can't focus on what the ref's doing because that's completely out of your control. You can't focus. That's why I really I have a hard time with I'm um, with coaches and parents who spend a lot of energy complaining about refs because all they're doing is sharing with the like modeling for the kids that mm. we should be in things that are outside of our control. Anyway, but but it's a it's a fun thing, especially with the referees that mm. I've been a captain for many years in my former team in Denmark and since I was under 19 I've been a captain and I have never talked with a referee in that sense that because it doesn't make sense of course sometimes you need to be clever and you can you can sweet talk the ref a little bit and be kind to them so they will maybe give you something in the end but again when I realized that they are also persons he could come on the pitch the referee with a bad day he had an argument with his wife whatever and he's angry so if i go and and go counter against him in a game where i can actually sense that the referee is a bit aggressive i might just get 100% worse out of it instead of leaving me alone so i know that this is next level in the sense of 
of of being able to talk with the referees i think it's just an example but an example also for me is when i was younger i came back from my um i had another injury i've had a lot of injuries throughout my career i had an ankle injury i was out for six months and i came back and i thought i was ready um and i weren't ready so the coach didn't put me he put this other guy this is the first time i've ever been in a locker room where i had my competitor where i didn't talk to him like we were we were annoyed by each other and he was maybe five or six years older than me and i remember everything annoyed me around everyone but then my my mental coach asked me but are you doing all the things that you normally do you know do your foam rolling go to the gym and do your three exercises and then suddenly now i'm actually not doing it at the moment and he said maybe you should try to to do the things you can control do things that the others aren't doing because this guy who's taking your spot at the moment he's not doing the things that you're doing he's playing at the moment so you need to do extra if you want to take his position so maybe come in 30 minutes before the other guy maybe stay a little bit later than the other guy and i was in at when we meet in at nine o'clock i met in at eight o'clock working with my mental coach for one hour going through all the things so i was actually one hour ahead of the others when they met in with lazy eyes i had already been on top for one hour fit, training my mental awareness of what what will i have out of this day and looking yourself in the mirror sometimes have i done enough today can i can i look myself in the mirror that i weren't just a passenger today i was actually actively involved in things as you said sarah that maybe talking to a stranger going out of the comfort zone because it, in football it is very much like so that when you're in a meeting and the coach asks you do you have any questions and no one says anything instead of actually raising your arm and just letting them know what you have actually have a thought but you start thinking oh what would the other boys say if i say this and i don't want to go above anyone else but it's being honest you know and that's why if you have an environment where you can actually talk to each other and have less of that macho thing and more of hey how are you today you know really care about that human, that human, human, human to human um so i think there's a lot of things in this that really works well but that thing of being kind to people i think it will help so many young is that movie that that book will help people acknowledge the fact that there's many good things in life and success will come if you work hard enough it, that that is like the equation but you can never know if it's going to happen at this point or at this point if you have this amount of success i mean will you race to the champions league level or will you go to the le level of of another level you really don't know but you just need to tell yourself that i am doing the best that i can and and just another thing that is important also I remember I wrote a speech to my 18-year-old self when I was about 29 years old. I had to do this as an assignment. And I said that sometimes also relax. Sit back in your uh, couch, eat an ice cream, go a little bit later to bed, eat some more candy because you will be all right because at some point I was doing all the things to perfection and that was over control so you want to have control but you also want to leave a little bit of space for you to breathe in some way because i had a good good friend who i was on the academy with 
I was living in the same room as him, close to him. I weren't aware of him having actually kind of a depression. And this was an eye-opener for me because he was doing everything to perfection, not eating, eating anything of, of sugar, uh, biking every day before. So whatever I'm telling you, it's always a balance of finding, and I cannot say which balance, that has to be from the parents, of, from knowing the, the kid or the child or the young folks, what are you capable of, of putting in and where do I need to step out? Because you don't want to get control freaked about it because then it's going to be uh, over overtaking your kind of happiness in some way. So the balance is difficult, but it takes time to learn. And that's maybe also the key thing about this mental toughness is it's not something you, you get within two weeks. It's something you get within two years of working with it. Yeah, really, right. <laughs> uh, if that, because they were all still learning. I really, really appreciate that. And actually, that's a, a really quite a, uh, it's a good segue because for us to move on to the next part, which so we were talking about confidence and being, you know, thinking about who we want to be and who we are on the pitch. And then let's also think about focus. And you were talking about, you know, what are the things that I can pay attention to? And so I'm curious if you were to go to, like, whether it's before a game or whether it's when it's specifically in the game, what do you focus on? What do you do to keep the distractions out? Like what types of phrases, what types of things do you say? What's your inner dialogue to get you to be, you know, laser focused on, you know, paying attention to the thing that's going to really help you perform? Um, I, I tend to use this um, symbolic to myself that the football arena, like the stadium, for instance, Shell Energy Stadium, where I got my debut yesterday, that should be the arena where I wear my cape. I like I am the Superman there. So I have been playing 400 games in my career. I've played against Messi. I've played against Neymar. I played for the national team. There's not something that I haven't tried in my career. I've won everything. I still get goosebumps. I still get butterfly in my stomach to get out of the pitch. But then I, I get myself that thought, listen, if it's not here on this pitch with all the boys out here that I feel most comfortable, where should it be? You know, because this should be the arena where I feel most comfortable. And, and when I tend to feel that way, that I'm wearing this Superman cape, a cape in some way, it actually helps me a little bit knowing that if I'm again, focused, I'm proactive, I'm talking to the guy besides me, I am, always um, thinking one step ahead, so never relaxing. So if I need to be saying something to the guy next to me, go left, tell him go left, because it makes me look better in some way, instead of, I don't want to tell him anything because at little in two seconds, I need to do a sprint of 30 meters that I didn't want to do because I didn't talk to him. I didn't mention him, go right. And if he went right side, he would have covered the ball and I would be out of that sprint. So. It's like what's important next, right? It's like what's the, the thing that will help me make the next play. So whether yeah. it's like, what am I looking at? Like where where do I see the gaps? Where's my guy? Where's you know what's yeah. what are my teammates doing? You know, yeah. like paying attention to the ball. You know, yeah. all of those types of things, and having those specifics that you can then draw on to keep you laser focused. So you're not thinking about what's going on in the crowd. You're not thinking about you know what do you have for breakfast this morning. You're and, actually and, yeah. And a very good help that I had, have given to uh, many of my like younger colleagues who, who comes up the ranks, it's 
divide the game down, like pull it down to sequences. And I remember it helped me so much because I was going on the, on the pitch, looking at 90 minutes of concentration and it almost felt like it's impossible for 90 minutes. What if I make a mistake in minute 85? You don't need to think about 85th minute when you start the game in minute one, you think about the first 15 minutes. So 15 minutes. What can I do right now? Yeah, so you're in the first 15 minutes where you say, okay, safe, I'll take the ball, play a bit of safe passes to get myself into the game the first 15 minutes. Then you build up the next 15 minutes. Then you play half an hour. Okay, now I'm getting into the rhythm. Okay, I've won my first three duels. I'm I'm feeling confident because as we talked about, confidence comes from small successes. And within 15 minutes, I actually had some success. Okay, I go to the next and the last 15 minutes because then it's halftime and it's already been 45 minutes and I've only been playing three times 15 minutes. Makes it a little bit easier in some way. So that's also the inner dialogue that I have. If I make a mistake in, in minute one, I have 14 minutes to do it. It's not, it will be fine. And then the next 15 minutes and then you have a halftime, you come out breathe whatever you need to do and you start that good environment again and then it's the the same procedure in the second half so i think i remember i always i had a pos uh, i was difficult i was zooming out or zoning out after 60 65 minutes and we talked about how can you stay in the game because it's so important to be all the goals are scored in the last 15 minutes. All the mistakes are happening in the last Everyone's 15 minutes. Tired, of the game. Right? Yeah, everyone is tired. Everyone is losing the concentra- concentration and focus. So it's a it's a valuable tool to break the game up in 15 minutes or whatever it helps. And you look at the clock, ah, 15 minutes, it's already there. And sometimes the most amazing feeling I've had is being in a flow. And flow happens. Not often, but it happens sometimes. And I've situations where I've been such in my zone that I would make a pass that was not intended to be that pass. And it was an unbelievable pass that went through the line into the last third and he almost scored. And I can remember the the commentators afterwards, I rewatched the game, what an amazing pass. And I remember that it was not intentional that pass, but no one knew anyway. But that that was that kind of a flow situation that you 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 actually enter whenever you have things a bit more in control and then suddenly it just flows the passes goes your communication flows your positive thinking your positive positive talking this is the best way of me being of course but uh, there's also incidents where i've been doubting myself made a big error and human too right and and it's just to I'm a human being too, but I have a good example as well, which is also for some of the people that are maybe thinking, I'm on the bench now, I'm not really playing. The most important thing you have to do is pay attention. When you're outside the pitch and you look inside the pitch, follow the game, because you never know when you'll be put in a situation, five minutes left, 10 minutes left, you you go in halftime. And this is the best example I can give you. So... I had played some couple of games when I was 20 years old. I was, I was thinking now is my time to shine. And then suddenly you have these two experienced guys who's, who the, who's the manager wants to favor. So he puts the young guy on the bench. I don't understand that. I'm angry. I'm all sorts of things. So I'm on the bench for the game on Saturday. 
and I'm just sitting in in like on the bench and I'm angry, I'm annoyed, I'm all these things. Suddenly, after 55 minutes, the guy who has my position as the captain goes out with a head injury. And they say, Eric, be ready, you need to go in. So prior to the game, 24 hours, I had been annoyed. I have not been focused about anything about the game. So I came in and we were winning 2-1 and I was involved in 2-2 goal, made my own, like an own goal. And then the last bit was my mistake, so we lost the game. And more to that, that was the round where the television money was paid out. So I actually cost the club around $500,000. So imagine the state of mind I was in. But I talked to my mental coach and he asked me, did you do what you normally do? And I said, no, I was so annoyed. I was so angry. So this is just a big, big aware point for me that you need to be in the you need to be in the game no matter what. You need to focus. And it's 90 minutes of concentration. If you put that out of a season, it's not many hours where you need to be focused within your life. But that's the most decisive moment is those 90 minutes, whether you're on the pitch or you're out of the pitch. And the game after, I luckily started the game. And because I had the possibility to change the things around and say, listen, I need to do things. I was suddenly involved in an assist and the last-minute tackle. So I was the hero of the day. So going from zero to 100 within a week. You're a hero. <laughs> so, you know, that is that is football as well. And you need to know that, that this happens sometimes, but it's how you cope with it that you need to be aware of. And, and yeah, it's like what's within our control too. And that's what I really appreciate, this idea about, like, what do we focus on and focus on? like, And maybe it is hard to think, oh, okay, it's 90 minutes to focus. But if we go, okay, I can focus for 15 minutes, you know, let me just do that. And then I'll focus on the next time, the next bit and the next bit. It's like, what's right important? What's important right now? Um, so I want to just get back to the, um, the rest of the slideshow because I'm aware of the time. Mm -hmm. No, it's all good. It's all like goals, like important things. So I really appreciate it. Okay, can you, I feel like I... Can you see just my screen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay, so I want to just talk a little bit about the. Sorry about that, I'm I'm used to being able to press my um. I'm used to be able to press my keyboard to change the slides, but here we go. So with focus, if we go to this instructional self-talk, which is this idea of how do we keep ourselves focused on the skills, and we just talked about with Eric. So just remembering that it's a hundred percent within our control. So this is not. This is not focused on the outcome because we can't control what other people are doing. We can only control what we do. So we always, all of these self-talk um, phrases that we use are what is part of the process that I can control. I can run fast. I can look around and see what's going on. I can you know, bring, pay my, pay attention to the ball. I can pay attention to my player. I can pay attention to my teammates. And remembering it's not about paying attention to the winning because if we're doing that, we're actually taking attention away from the process, which would get us to win. So we're making mm -hmm. it by focusing on the winning, we're making it actually more unlikely that we will win because we're taking attention away from what is important right now. And then the other thing is this idea about talking about what we do want instead of what we don't want. So rather than, because our brains actually don't know the difference, our brains don't have a, don't have a not. So if I said to you, don't think about a pink elephant, what picture do you have in your mind? A pink mm. elephant. 
And so we, when I remember this from volleyball, it was like, I was trying, I was learning how to serve over there. It's like, don't hit the net, don't make a mistake, don't miss your serve. And guess what I did? I would miss my serve. Mm-hmm. It's remembering is like, we need to focus on the thing that will help us move forward rather than thinking about the, rather than thinking about the action that we don't want to do. Okay. And so then the next thing I want to, oh, I have more questions. I think I have questions. What energy level do you perform your best? And this is just if you guys would just put in the chat things, the energy that you find that you perform your best. Is it like, is it when you're hyped up? Is it when you're calm? What is it that, is it when you feel like cool and confident? When, when, do, you, when do you play your best? Ah, uh-huh. Blaine, you said you when you're mad. Okay. Some people say they play best when they're mad. And other people I know have talked about playing best when they're actually, when pressure is on, people play the best, but they said that. And so that, I mean, then your own energy level, sometimes you need to be calm. So it's recognizing too that in the moment, it's not always about being fired up because sometimes like there are certain times in the game, like maybe you're taking a corner kick and, or maybe you're doing a, you know, a penalty kick. If you're all just like crazy amped up, you're not going to be able to do this take, you know, you're not going to be able to perform the skill. So it's recognizing what energy level you need to be at. And so this is about like paying attention to what energy the moment needs, what it asks for. And also knowing that you can use what you're saying to yourself to fire, fire yourself up, to calm yourself down, or like, you know, or recover from a, you know, a disappointment or bring your anxiety down. So these are a way, these are the three different ways, right? So we talked about confidence, we talked about um, focus, and we talked about that um, energy management, so the emotional regulation. And so the one thing that I do actually want to move on to speaking of energy management and actually it's helpful that Blaine said about he said he plays best when he's pissed and I have to tell you when we talk harshly or if we're mad and maybe maybe not so much mad but maybe it's the harsh it's the harsh talk actually when we criticize ourselves because I know that sometimes if I say something bad to myself if I'm like oh you're way better than this you're you know you suck right now you need to do better, it does fire me up, right? It does fire me up. And the thing about how we talk to ourselves is that it can give us energy, it can give us confidence, and it can give us focus. If we are using that negative self-talk or we're really harsh to ourselves, it can give us energy, and it does. And so it can, in some circumstances, it does make you play better. The problem is you will never reach your full potential because you also need to feel confident. And if you keep eroding your confidence by talking to yourself negatively and telling yourself that you suck, then you'll never reach your potential. So the idea is how do we find ways to actually support ourselves, find ways to fire ourselves up that are not about telling ourselves we're bad, finding ways to build our confidence, finding ways to build our focus without actually bringing ourselves down. 
so I want to just like jump back actually to the end of my story and just let you know within that moment when I was feeling like oh can I do this I reached back to this idea of what is in my control and I remembered that this is the same court that I have played on this is the same the lines are the same size the net is the same height I've even played against these players before and so remembering that these are things that are within my control how I perform I can't control the fact that there's 10,000 people in the crowd I can control what they're saying I can't control the the moment but I can control how I perform in the moment so I basically used all those three areas of self-talk I reminded myself of what I'd done before I focused on the things at hand like I, I mean I always turn the ball around and I you know when I serve I always put the valve first so that I'm ready and that's just my way of settling myself and then just take care of those moments so it's the I used all of those things I used the focus I used the energy and I used the confidence and I played the best that I had ever played to that point and I was it was so funny because I was like it was surreal and I ended up doing things that I didn't even do normally like I was like revving up the crowd and I was like I was in this out-of-body experience it was really fun anyway that is that part of it. That's the end of that story. But what we also have for you is we have a, um, we actually have a handout, a PDF that Dom's going to share with us. So I'm going to stop sharing. Here we go. And so you can print this out. And the idea is I want you to be able to create some self-talk phrases that you can then practice because we talked about needing to practice them. So you have to go from... You can't just go, oh, I'm going to say something positive to myself or I'm going to fire myself up. It's get you getting used to having things that you say and practicing them in practice, practicing them in the games, having that awareness of how is this affecting me? Did this work for me? Did this work for me right now? Oh, it worked last time. It didn't work this time. What would I do differently? Um, this is also going to be sent in the email that we're going to send out to you after this, um, after this presentation. So basically what we've got here is the summary of what we've talked about and the steps that we're the steps for our self-talk. So the first is being aware of our thoughts and our bodily sensations. So knowing, you know, am I in this state that helps me perform my best? And then it's assessing the situation, right? Does this call for me to be, you know, does this call for me to fire myself up? Does it call for me to calm down? Does it need laser focus? What is, what is needed right now? So then it's choosing the type of self-talk that you need to hear. And then using, this, uh, using the phrases that we've created. So using the phrases that you've come up with. So it's basically, we want you to have a toolkit that you can use to be able to perform. And so when we go down, you can see we've got a uh, fill in the blanks. Let me scroll up a little down, thank you. So fill in the blanks. So thinking about what, you know, even like what Eric said about like, what qualities are you proud of? Like I'm a team player, I, I give 100%, those types of things. And then we'll fill in the um, evidence, right? So in the next section, you'll say, this is the evidence I have that I do that. So this is you building this evidence chest of these are the things that I do. So it might be, you can do hard things. You've been here before. You, you can, um, you know, you're, you've, you're a team player, all of those types of things. And those are your phrases that you will end up using in the like when you're actually under um, under pressure because you'll practice them. So the first one's a credible self-talk. Then it's about the instructional. 
And you may want to do this for all various parts of the game. Maybe you have things that you need to focus on if you're taking a corner kick, if you're doing a throw in, if you're like just about before kickoff, maybe it's things that you need to focus on before the game starts at all. But it's, so the idea is for this, this sheet is to give you a chance to write those in, thinking about where do I wanna be? What do I need to focus on? And then what is a phrase that would help me? Like what are some key words that would help me actually, actually perform, that, perform that skill? And so then for the, um, so that will give us ones for the instructional and then motivational. We have those examples in the chat. And if you want to save the chat, that's if you go to the three dots at the bottom of the chat, there is a place that you can say to save chat. And you can um, write some ideas of like words and phrases that you can use to fire yourself up and to calm yourself down. So it's like, let's go, or like, we need to breathe or whatever it is, take it, take Okay, Sarah, take a breath, you know, like help yourself. Here we are, we're in this moment. So that's the handout that's going to be sent to you. So you've got your, your wrap up and your, um, and your, your cheat sheet, basically. It's like giving you an opportunity to like build your evidence so that you can have this credible self-talk and instructional self-talk as well as like motivating yourself. So I'm going to share my screen again, just with a wrap up slide. Um, I am. And okay, so these are the things that I'm really hoping that you take away from this. The first is that self-talk is a skill. So this inner dialogue is something that you have to practice. It's not something that you are magically good at. And it's awareness, awareness of how you're talking to yourself and choosing intentionally to speak differently to yourself, to do things that will actually be effective in helping you to perform better remembering that it can give us confidence and we have to make sure it's credible because we have to believe it. Like we're not gonna actually feel confident if we feel like some, you know, we're lying to ourselves. We can use it to give us focus. And so focusing on things and paying attention to things that are 100% within our control. Because if we're, if we're thinking about something like the outcome that's not in our control, it doesn't help us. We need to, you know, we need to be, pay attention to the process and the things that we can do right here, right now. And then remembering about energy management that we're matching it to the situation. Like, do we need to fire up? Do we need to calm down? What does this, what does this moment need? And then remembering we need to be supporters for ourselves and not heckle ourselves. So that is all I have for you. And I will stop sharing my screen. And I am realizing we are over time already, but I appreciate you staying with us for all this extra time. And thank you, Eric, so much for being part of it. So I had just have a, uh, if I can have a story, just a small story. Keep if, on. If everyone is on. So it's just so maybe you can take some of these two phrases that I've always been having in my mind and working with. Um, so the first story is, it's dated back to my childhood in my hometown. We have this, uh, we have snow, obviously there's not snow in Houston, but in Denmark, there's a lot of snow. So in, uh, in the winter time, there's little hill. We don't have mountains in Denmark, we have hills. So we took our bobsleds. So my sister and my brother, me and my father went to this hill. We always did it every winter. So we took our bobsled and we walked up that hill. And it was a tough, uh, journey up that hill. We were uh, maybe five years old, so our small legs should carry the bobsled up that hill. 
And when we were on the top of the hill, we took that amazing ride down. Everything was fun and we enjoyed and we laughed and we were on the, on the end of the hill again after five seconds. And then I remember my father, if you wanna have fun, you always need to also acknowledge the fact that there is always a way up and that's not an easy way. That's a long and windy road up that hill to get up to the top. And since that, I've just been thinking about that story of the hill that what if I took that bobsled and walked a little bit further? Because if I worked a little bit further and did a little bit more, and even though it's tough, I would walk up that hill and suddenly I had walked a couple of uh, hundred yards more and higher up and I was even higher up the mountain. So the ride down would be much longer and much more fun in some way. And that makes so much sense for me that whenever I'm through tough times, whenever I'm through an injury or in this situation where I moved to Houston and had to wait four weeks for my visa to get my debut, then I went into a car accident. My car was totaled. Uh, I'm okay though. Um, and uh, suddenly I have a calf injury. I've never had a calf injury in my life and everything has come crashing. I'm thinking of the story of the hill. Ah, it's because I'm having the bobsled. I'm going further and further and further up the hill. And yesterday I was allowed in some way in, in, in the sense of taking the first ride down. So I actually enjoyed those five, 45 minutes because I knew that I was, I was about to be through all these tough times, but eventually worked out in some way. So I hope that sometimes you can take that story with you and, and, and had it incorporated in your own way. The other thing is that parents actually do say a lot of important things. My mother said to me that, Eric, you need to hurry slowly. And I was like, hurry slowly. That's two contradictory things. You cannot both hurry and be slow. But she was meant, meaning it in a sense of you need to do it with effort. You need to do it with pride. You need to do the things efficiently. That meaning doing it slowly, but you also want to be in a process of going forward, taking those steps forward, making yourself go in the line sometimes where it's a bit more unrisky, but always moving ahead because you don't want to stagnate. That's the most, most difficult thing in football and in a career if you stagnate. And that means that if you do the things with efficiency and you do it heart willing, then you're also moving forward in some way. There was two things. And the last thing is the bravest thing you can ever say whenever you ask what's the bravest thing you ever said is help because help is refusing to give up. It's actually persisting of, I always want to be better. I always want to be the best version of myself. And sometimes that needs a bit of help. So I think it's a brave thing to say to one, one each other that I need help because I have not been as successful as I am by myself. I have had so many people helping me and acknowledging the fact that I needed help when I was 18 years old has helped me to become the football that I am, that I played against Messi was at when I was 18 years old, that I said to myself, I'm not able to do this by myself. And that's where the parents, the kids, the needs to be honest to themselves that we are not superheroes, everyone. We need sometimes a bit of help and that's okay to say help.
This has been fantastic. Eric, thank you so much for, for your time. Um, all of us here are appreciative and we're going to keep this within mind ready for a very long time. So future athletes and parents and, and our community are, are going are gonna to have this for a very long time. So on behalf of myself and our team, I, I just want to say thank you for, for your time and, and your insights. You're welcome. Um, we have, well, we're a little bit over time, but there was a really amazing question in the chat that I wanted to bring up and get your perspective and Sarah's perspective as well, just for a few minutes, uh, if possible. If yep. there are other questions in the chat, uh, we'd be, we would love to go through those as well, um, but we won't keep you too long. So thank you for, for extending your time. Uh, uh, there was a question, what can coaches, players, parents do to support younger players and create a culture of a positive mindset? And then there was a second question off of that. The idea of balance is so important. How can it be recognized, reinforced by the club? And I'll leave that in the chat as well. Can I answer? Yes, please. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I have my own son who's seven years old. And um, I think I think there's a difference be between uh, the word pacing that, that might be used and things. But I, I would like, again, to turn around and say, whenever you have some kids going to a training, I want my son to make an effort to tell him that we're going to this football training because you really want to. You told me you want to. So let's use the next hour or so where you are focused because if you're focused and you concentrate and you listen, then everything will be much more fun instead of being everywhere else and not acknowledging that this is where we are now. We, I want your best, as much as you can give the best because then I feel that he's actually also learning a bit more so in sense of also knowing that sometimes to sit down before the training and talk to the, to the boys, the coach might say, listen, the training will be much better if you are in a line and you look what the other do and you encourage each other and you're positive into each other instead of walking around and not paying attention to when another one is maybe having some passes exercises. So going back to the story about me being on the bench and not being there actually made it much worse in some ways. So I think sometimes it's good to having the, the thought about when we hear we help each other, the training and the session will be much better if we are united by it instead of only once paying attention at a time, it will be much more difficult. I would agree with that and also add that um, this idea of how do you want to show up? Like, Thank yeah. you. What do, I, what do we embody as like as parents, as coaches, uh, like how what kind of a culture are we creating? And that's about modeling. And it's so interesting, all the research around aggressive, angry coaches actually lead to frustrated, error-prone, underperforming athletes. And mm. so we need to win, like as coaches or parents, if we're trying, if we're like angry at them or frustrated with them, we're actually not helping. So that's one thing. And the other thing is something that I talk to my, um, to the girls that I coach, we talk about, and we do this before every practice and we do this at every game and in timeouts, we talk, how could this be valuable? How could this experience be valuable? So that they then have intention that I, even if they're in a game to 25, even if they're down, you know, 20 to 10, they're like, how can we make this experience valuable? So you're not giving up because you don't think you can actually win. But it's about how do we help them to realize that, hey, this is my opportunity to like, and this is where I feel like we put it in our kids' court too. 
is we let them come up with it rather than us necessarily telling them what they need to do. But we say, what would help you? What do you think would help? What, what would it be like? like? How do you think you would be on the sidelines? How, what's the best way that you learn? What's, you know, how, what helps you to pay attention? And let them come up with it. And then we treat it as we're just reflecting. And we're like, afterwards, we don't go like, oh, I noticed you didn't do this. We're like, oh, okay, I'm wondering how that was for you. And what did you notice? And what did you learn? And, how, and so that we're actually embracing this culture of this trial and error, iterative experience of, you know, we're learning because we're trying things out and making mistakes. And not like, if we are hard on them because of mistakes, then the lessons they learn are like, I shouldn't make mistakes. I shouldn't try, or I should blame someone else so that it doesn't, it doesn't reflect on me.